Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome to Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk. For Friday, February the 1st, I'm your host, D.A., again from Radio Row in the Downtown Convention Center in Atlanta, site of Super Bowl 53. The entire sports talk world has descended upon the Convention Center and tons of tremendous in-person guests for so many sports talk stations across the country. How about one of the greatest ever to do it? Dan Marino played in a Super Bowl and infamously did not win it, so Marino had to go home with a Hall of Fame trophy but no Super Bowl ring. He joined the guys on Atlanta's 92-9 the game, and with two offenses like the Patriots and Rams set to do battle on Sunday, Marino got to look back on what made his offense so ahead of its time back in the 80s. I'm still amazed at the stuff you did. Oh. <laughs> and no, seriously, I mean, you, listen, yeah, it was, everybody. It was fun, man. It was but, fun. But everybody's throwing for five, now, you know, 4,000 yards, and everybody's like, Ugh. and then you look back, and you're like, this dude did that in 84. Yeah, it's, like, it's been a while. I know. <laughs> they could grab your but receivers we did, a different yeah, we world. we were doing, you know, with Duper and Clayton and that more and that more, unbelievable, and that group, uh, we were doing things that no one was doing back then and, and then do, didn't do it for a while, you know? Right. So that's what's cool about it. It yeah. is cool. I mean, honestly, yeah, and, and yeah, obviously that's what's cool about MVP. It. And I love those guys. I see those guys all the time now. You know, I'm around them a lot. They come in. You know, we do alumni stuff. They come to the games, and they're doing they're doing well. Yeah, it's good. One of the coolest things at uh, at Hard Rock now, and Dan Marino joins us, guys who just tuned in live at the Super Bowl, is Dan where they were when they had to retirement. Your name's there, and you got uh, Clayton and Duper on both sides, which I yeah, love, yeah, just yeah, like when yeah, you're lined cool. up. Yeah, yeah. Just so they're on my left at X receiver, on my right at the flanker. You know, so right. Yeah, yeah. They're good guys, man. Love them. What? Uh, listen, I know you probably answered this, but uh, for for our audience, and we're here in Atlanta, and we're hosting the Super Bowl this week, and it's tremendous. I mean, it's it's been great, and we're hoping we get a great game. Yeah. But what was it about? We have next year. We got it in Miami. I know. Right? Yeah, and yeah, and yeah, the, the yeah, handoff, cool. the committee's right. here, and it's, it, oh, you yeah. know, the, the handoff's yeah. going to happen. But um, what, what made that? What, why were you guys able to do what you were doing when nobody else was doing that stuff? So, uh, you know, I think it was just we we had a talented group. Also, we had young guys who were very talented at the receiver positions. And, and um, also the fact that we had a veteran group, too, at the same time. Because right. two years before that, they were in the Super Bowl. You know, and then uh, and they played against the Redskins and lost. So there were still, you know, a lot of guys that played in those big games at times. And and uh, uh, so that combination, I think, you know, made us offensively, especially, you know, different. And Nat Moore, who was a veteran, and Tony Nathan, who was a really good, you know, back, especially out of the backfield, catching the ball. Right. And Jim Jensen, we had Bruce Hardy, our tight ends. And we just had a group that, that could do it. And we did it at a different level. And the thing about it is that year is we, you know, we, th- we threw for whatever it was, 5,000 yards and all the stuff and the touchdowns. But we had to win games going down the stretch, you know what I mean? So it wasn't like, you know, we were in there 
know, just calories. throwing, yeah, right. you know, for, for stats. I mean, we had to win our last game of the year to keep home field advantage. So it was always, you know, it was one of those things we had to win, and we weren't just putting up stats to put up stats. So that's what made it cool, I think. Dan Marino's with us, guys. One of the best ever to dress out. Really cool to have him here live at Super Bowl 51. Uh, yeah. 53. 51's when we blew. Uh, Danny, what about, uh, <laughs> you know, well, speaking of Super Bowls, I mean, you. I know it's well-written, documented. When you go down and you play 49ers that year, you yeah. thought, well, hell, I'm coming back to this thing. I'll be back sure, to the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm talking about it all the time. Yeah, you know, I was 23 years old. I was young. I thought I'd be back. And I just remember when the game was over, I always thought that I, I uh, you know, like, like, can we play this again tomorrow? Because it just, like, happened so fast. Game was over. We lost. And, you know, you never go back again. But I had my chances. We had our chances. But uh, it's one of those things. You know? All that talent you had. I mean, we talk about, you know, the great Don Shula. Was it, you know, that you needed that, that big-time running? Because Elway eventually got that big running back. You know, yeah, put him over Terrell the top, Davis. And you know? ran, yeah, no, they ran the ball. Yeah, you had yeah. good running backs. Was that what you needed? So or did, uh, A combination of things. You know, yeah. it's, it's the way it is. You know, we uh, we had some good teams, and we had some, you know, one of the best teams I played on was the 93 team, and I and I actually tore my Achilles that year. And we had some really talented guys on that team, and we, we would have had a shot. I mean, right. We would have had a shot that year, but I got hurt. So. <laughs> Man, when you look at Mark Clayton, Mark Duper, Nat Moore, and so many other targets that Marino had back in the day, you realize that what the Dolphins were doing, 83, 84, 85, then late 80s, was about 20 to 30 years ahead of its time, and maybe nobody ever was a better pure passer than the Dolphins' Dan Marino. Speaking of Hall of Famers, how about the all-time leading rusher, Emmett Smith, dropping on by Shan and RJ's show on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. The big story in Big D is that Jason Garrett is going to have to play out a lame duck season. He's got one final year on this contract and a lot of speculation that next year, next offseason, Jerry Jones could pull the trigger to try to find somebody else to coach the Cowboys. Could this be it for Jason Garrett, or should he be the coach of the future? Emmett weighed in. The rumors are Jason Garrett not getting an extension. John Kitna, quarterback coach. Yep. What do you think of the Garrett news first? I think I think it's good. I think it's it's a good way to approach it. Uh, it leaves Jerry with the flexibility to do whatever he needs to do. Uh, why pitch, put yourself in a, in a in a pickle that you have to unravel if you need to? And so for Jason Garrett, Jason Garrett understands that. Even though he was able to right the ship this year and get the team to the playoff and one game away from the NFC Championship game, he did a great job of coaching. And what I mean by that and what most people miss is the life lesson in what, what I just mm. stated. When you start off three and five and everybody's calling for your head and calling for your job, to hold that team together and keep them focused and keep them motivated to get everything corrected and to get on this hot streak to make the playoff, that in itself is a victory all along. Is it where they wanted to be at? Is right. it, did it end the way that they wanted it to end? No, it did not. But it gave them enough to say, we got the pieces of the puzzle in place. We need to build upon that, and let's see if we can take it further next year. Now, if they do that, he gets a contract extension. Do, do you think he is the guy? I think he has the potential to be the guy. Potential? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. been here in a decade almost. Well, yeah, but now, I mean, when you look at the offense, everybody talked about the offense being very predictable. Now, if the, and, and Keller now has the ability to, along with Jason Garrett and others, to be able to be free to throw the ball down the field and force Dak to come back and say, okay, I need to do a better job of this. I need to do a better job of that. Kellen now can coach Dak in the way that he probably wants to. 
Uh, I think uh, Linehan had his hands all over everything and trying to control everything, which also means he's dictating everything, which can be a problem. Yeah. You allow coaches to be coaches. Do we wor- should we worry that Kellen Moore has basically zero coaching experience well, if he's heavily influencing the offense? Uh, not necessarily zero coaches and experience. He's been there for three years or as four years. As a coordinator or as, play caller. No, I mean, as a play caller, you, 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 you try to figure those things out. Yeah. Uh, Jason Garrett is – he can figure it out. I mean, obviously his job is on the line now. Uh, it's pretty clear. So – they're probably going to spend a lot of time together offseason talking about play calling and play selections and, and stuff like that, probably going through mock stuff and everything else. Do you agree, Emmett Smith sitting down with us, Diamond's right hot seat, do you agree with the fans that the offense was too predictable and conservative? It was very vanilla, very vanilla. Um, Can you explain what that means, like the foot? Basic. Yeah. Um, routes no more than 15 yards down the field, comeback, square ends, nothing to the side of the field, no no sevens, no no. Every now and then you get an eight, and then when you had a nine, sometimes we missed it behind the guy or overthrown the guy or some some crazy. Nothing consistent. Uh, nothing that you can build off of. And uh, there was no rhyme or reason. When you, even when you set things up, you never came back to a play to take advantage of what you set up. I'm looking for the chess match and and how teams are playing us. And and I don't think we really took full advantage of what we what our capabilities really were. I'm glad those guys acted kind of surprised at Emmett's contribution here that Jason Garrett has potential. Potential? He's had a decade to be the head coach in Dallas. Potential? I think he has the potential to be the guy. Potential? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been here in a decade almost. Well, yeah, but now, I mean. I know they've got Dak now, but they also had Tony Romo as the franchise guy with Jason Garrett and didn't really win anything with him either. So pretty funny. Emmett needs to see more. Clearly, only a decade with Jason Garrett at the helm. I mean, that sounds like a guy that's close to the Cowboys organization that does not want to say anything negative about the head coach. Just got to give Jason Garrett more time. He needs like another decade to really get his feet under him. Potential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been here in a decade almost. Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, took to the podium earlier in the week and really didn't leave anybody very satisfied. Tony Baselli is one of the best offensive linemen of his generation. He joined 97.3, the fan in San Diego, and said, Goodell, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Are you okay with what the commissioner said yesterday about the NFC Championship game and how they addressed? Again, I, I, I've been telling people, Tony, I don't know what they were expecting the commissioner to say. I thought he said all he could say. Yeah, I mean, if he came out and all of a sudden said, you know, Oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. This is terrible. I feel bad for all the fans. Is that going to change it? Is it going to make Sean Payton or Drew Brees or any of the Saints players feel better? No. It happened. It's part of the game. There's a human element to every aspect from coaching to playing to officiating. And it's unfortunate, but that's part of the game. You know, Tony, I brought this up with Mike Pereira in the last segment. I said, I think the NFL needs to go to the college game. Instead of it being a spot foul, now maybe that's my defensive side of the football, that I said it should be a 15-yard penalty. Do you agree? If you're going to change that rule, instead of changing field position, you make it a 15-yard penalty. Would that be okay with you being on that offensive side of the football? Well, my only thing with that is, then do you have smart defensive backs who know their beat huh. just tackling guys? You know, so they know they, they instead of give a 40, 50 yard, I'll give a 15. Um, but I'm indifferent, to be honest with you, Dan. 
whether they keep that rule or change it to the college game, it doesn't matter to me. Um, I, I think one of the things that we have to just realize we're never going to be able to replay our way to a perfect game. Absolutely. That's not the way the game's designed. Absolutely. couple last questions for my friend Tony Baselli. Big-time commitments, obviously, this weekend, too. Pro Football Hall of Fame, I believe, will be knocking on his door. But first and foremost, the game on Sunday. Can the Rams get over? And do you agree that the mystique of the Patriots play into game preparation on what they see on Sunday? Or do you think that goes out the window once we lace them up and we get ready to play on Sunday? I think it goes out the window. I mean, once you lace them up, you get on that field, it's a football game. You know, the most prepared, the best coach, the best players will win that football game. Um, I think it's going to be real interesting. I think the, I think that it's one in the trenches. I always think that, but especially this week. If if the Patriots are able to take away Aaron Donald and keep the pocket in front of Brady clean, I think they score 35-plus points. And I think at that point it's very difficult. And conversely, if the Rams get the run game going because their entire offense is built off a of play-action uh, pass, then they're going to score 35-plus points. I think it's a back and forth. I think the chess match between two really well-coached teams is going to be fun to watch. Uh, And I think we're in for quite a uh, performance on Sunday. Last question for you, Tony. Has this been the key to the Rams' success here? Along with the great formations and the great play by a lot of players, um, like you said, both sides of the football. To me, how about the fact that that offensive line hasn't really had any sustained injuries, not just one year, but we're going on two years now that that Rams offensive line, you see the run game improving, the pass game improving. That's got to be a key to what's and why they're there on Sunday. All, all five guys have started all 18 games this year for them. And they're really a cohesive unit. They're very well coached by Aaron Cromer, the offensive line coach. I love the, how they scheme up, especially the protections. They move the pocket a lot. They slide. Uh, they try to minimize the one-on-one uh, matchups that the offensive line has to really tr- take away the pass rush. And also, as you know, you're a defensive lineman. If that quarterback's not in the same spot, if they're moving the spot of the quarterback, it's harder to rush the passer because you can't just you can't just pin your ears back and go after them. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Roger Goodell shoots himself in the foot, though, because if he's not going to address problems within the NFL, like what happened in the NFC Championship game, like the no flag, and yet allow the league office to fine Nikel Roby Coleman in the middle of this, what can you say? I mean, obviously, they're admitting that it was an official's error, and yet they won't publicly talk about it for 10 to 12 days. It leaves everybody around the NFL not trusting the leadership and asking, why are you hiding? Goodell is terrible at getting out in front of things, and seemingly when he does, he fumbles that as well. I know they don't want to rain on the parade of the Los Angeles Rams before their glamour event, but still, if you feel like you're hiding, and it seems like you're hiding, no one's going to really trust you. Fans won't ultimately trust you to run the league that they love. 
Joe Gibbs won three Super Bowl titles with Washington. And right now it feels like a really long time since that franchise has been anywhere near this big game. The Hall of Fame coach joined 106.7 The Fan in D.C. and Grant and Danny and discussed whether this offseason Washington should be looking at drafting the next quarterback. It doesn't look like Alex Smith would be available this season. Would you be in line just because how important that spot is to say, you know what, let's invest, let's find a quarterback of the future in the first round? Or do you kind of wait and see what the deal is with Smith first? Well, I don't try to tell. Obviously, the with Bruce and everybody, they got working on things they were personnel-wise. But they'll make a good decision. But I would say that, and they probably, I'm just hearing now, I understand Bruce Allen came out and just said that, Bruce said that it looks like Alex might be ready. I think that's a huge decision. They're going to know. they got the best medical team in the world there. I think that's a decision, and I think if he's not available, then I think there's going to be a major decision made on what we're going to do at quarterback. So uh, I think that's what's facing the Redskins. I think that's their biggest decision. I think uh, they've done a good job building the offensive line. It just got taken away from us with injuries. And I think we got a team there. I think they're making good decisions. It's just things haven't gone our way. And that's easy to have happen in the NFL. It only takes a couple of injuries here and there and just puts you in a real bad position. And I think that's what happened to us this year. It seems like you know more sadness, anger, disdain, apathy than there's ever been before. And Danny and I talk about this all the time. Your Super Bowl runs, basically what you accomplished is the glue that still holds this thing together 30-plus years later. There's a whole generation of people like me. I was in diapers when you guys were having that last parade, and I remember Joe Gibbs 2.0 and the fact that you made the playoffs a couple of times, which was great. But this fan base is is ravenous for something the, the attendance is way down. The TV ratings are way down. When you see that, are you surprised? Because you saw this thing at its peak, and you were responsible for it. Well, I think, first of all, our fan base there, there is no fan base. That fan base is awesome. Now, I think what happens in any franchise, and particularly I think that's the greatest sports franchise in the world, right there, the Redskins. But what's happened, we've been through a long a journey here of not, you know, having having teams that get deep into the playoffs. And when that happens, I think fans do get frustrated. And that's any place in the NFL. And particularly, you know, with the Redskins. I would say that fan base, though, I think the people there are very reluctant about giving up season tickets or anything like that. And I think all we do need to do is get a resurgent here, win some games, get deep into the playoffs. Our fan base there is awesome. And I really said for the years I was there, I mean this, I think it's the greatest sports franchise in the world. When we went some places to horrible weather, when I was coaching there, there would be a lot of fans didn't show up. When we, when we showed up at RFK Stadium <laughs> in those days, you know, it was packed. I don't care what the weather was. I don't care what it was. That fan base is battle-tested. Now, they get frustrated. Any fan base will. But I think all we got to do is bounce back with a, with a good good couple of years here, and you'll see that fan base back in the stadium. And I, I would say season tickets, if you can get a chance to get one, get it. <laughs> 
man, I don't see how Washington can go forward thinking that Alex Smith is going to be okay. They have not had a franchise guy in a long time. We thought that maybe RG3 was going to be that guy. Obviously, he was not. I just don't see how, if you're Washington's front office, you're not looking at a QB. Alex Smith has a terrifying injury. He loses the end of the season. He might not be back for next season, and you're going to just cross your fingers and say that he's going to be back. You're going to bet on that. I would not. Washington, you've got to go back a long time since they have had the quarterback situation solved, so solve it. Go out and draft a guy and realize that scotch taping things together, you're not close enough to be a contender. Scotch taping things together without having a young franchise quarterback is stupid, it is silly, and it's small-minded. This is the type of offseason where you should be restarting the clock and trying to get your franchise guy in the NFL draft. But it's not all just football this week. The NBA as the world turns. And now it's Kristaps Porzingis' time to be moved out of New York. Porzingis apparently unhappy with the direction of the New York Knicks front office. And so because of that, went into the GM's office and said, I want out. Steve Mills obliged and sent him to the Dallas Mavericks. And so now the Mavs have one of the most intriguing young cores in the NBA. Luka Doncic is going to be your hands-down rookie of the year. He has been phenomenal, playing like a veteran, like a superstar in just his rookie season. And you add to him the quote-unquote unicorn in Kristaps Porzingis. I love this move for the Dallas Mavericks, but what does it mean for the New York Knicks? Sounds like most New Yorkers are scratching their heads saying, you're just going to bet on signing big-time free agents in the offseason? Boomer Esiason and Greg Giannotti on Boomer and Geo on WFAN pose that question, although sounds like... Boomer, all in on moving out Porzingis. Somebody empowered Kristaps Porzingis to, to make him think like he was the man that he was untouchable. And I know who that person is. His name's Carmelo Anthony. You know, and it's time to get rid of guys like this that think that they are something that they're not. His brother was a pain in the ass. They didn't give him the, uh, the contract extension, which I was very happy that they didn't do because he was dealing with an injury. Hasn't played this year, did very little for the Knicks to help them win a championship. And it was always some whiny-ass something else about him that, you know, just basically turned me off. And the last year, the fact that, uh, you know, he was he was hurt and they were not going to play him this year, I think we all thought, okay, it'd be a nice guy to have uh, built around uh, if he could hang here and maybe they get the number one overall, number two overall pick, and then add a free agent to that point. But I uh, the more I think about this, the more it was about clearing as much cap space as you could possibly get uh, cleared. And it was also about getting rid of a pain in the ass. His brother is a pain in the ass. He's a pain in the ass. And now they're out of here and there's somebody else's pain in the ass. You suck. And that's the way, I, and that's the way I look at it. And quite frankly, you got to rip this thing apart until you can start building it up. So I said this when, uh, when they finally got rid of Phil Jackson and they gave the reins to uh, Steve Mills. All right, he goes out and gets Scott Perry. He gets Fisdale. It's a, it's a new way of doing things, and they're trying to rebuild this, and it doesn't happen overnight. So you have to give it an opportunity to let it breathe, let it uh, work itself out. And then, of course, they have to, in the next year, uh, figure out how they can get two max free agents in here and the right ones at that. Not just two max free agents. You've got to get the right guys in here. You don't want to go down to Amari Stoudemire and then try to bring in Carmelo and stick those two guys together. That crap doesn't work. 
you got to get top-end free agents in here. you got to get your high draft pick. you got Kevin Knox. You held on to him. You brought in Dennis Smith uh, Jr. You're probably gonna, now going to get rid of Cantor, and you're probably going to get rid of Neil Aquina, I would think. So the, 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 this does not surprise me. I am not going to look at this like all the NBA players, like, oh, wow, wow, you, you know, and all these crazy little Well, I mean, the, the legend hey, grew hey, for this I, guy I and, and for, for no reason. Well, I know, but it, hold on. I'm, I'm just saying I'm agreeing with you that the legend has grown Goodbye. with him Goodbye. for Al. basically hey, no reason. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye, right. and don't let the door hit you and your your stupid brother in the ass. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah, you know I listen. And that's the thing, and that's what. So this is where they're starting over, and again, it's a freaking process. And you know, I, I look at all the, the the NBA players and all the emojis. Oh, laugh out loud! Oh, the Knicks are idiots again. The Knicks are this. The Knicks are that. You know what? At the end of the day, you know what? What makes the, the Knicks really uh, idiotic is is allowing the players to have some sort of say. And I, and this is the thing that drives me crazy about the NBA. Look. You know, he walks in there, and to all, all accounts, he walks in there and doesn't like the way the Knicks are doing things. Yeah, of course he doesn't. The Knicks are tanking. The Knicks are trying to get a top draft choice. And as Canner, his buddy on the team, is all pissed off. Why? Because he's another European player. Get him the hell out of here, too. Get them all out of here. And only get the guys that want to wear the Knicks uniform and want to play their asses off for the coach and for the organization, and more importantly, for the fans who buy the tickets to go see this team. And maybe, and just maybe, I'll be one of those fans again. Maybe I'll be reengaged if they get the right guys in here. This is this this whole thing just reeks of just like entitlement. And finally, they're doing something about it. So I like that. I like the fact that they're getting guys out of here that don't want to be here. And the last thing I want to do is, it's not a fashion show on the sideline. What's what suit or socks or shoes you're wearing? It's about what you're doing on the basketball court. And you know, for Przingis coming off of an ACL injury. I don't know what he's going to be. Maybe he'll go on to be a Hall of Famer for the Mavericks and be the next Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, good luck with that. Because I don't think Nowitzki ever acted the way that Porzingis acted three years here. Yeah, but here's the problem. I mean, you can move out Porzingis, but now you've got to convince free agents that New York is the place to sign. And why would they feel confident in doing so? The Knicks have been a dumpster fire for 20 years. So why now is Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving, why is Kawhi Leonard or anybody else that's up for a max deal, why are they going to sign with the Knicks? The front office has been a disaster. The -the on-the-court product has been a disaster. The owner has been a disaster. How are you going to convince or bet on convincing two of these guys to sign to completely change the face of the franchise? What you'd be selling them on is merely the New York angle. And that's fine. Some guys might want to play in Gotham and at Madison Square Garden. But other than that, there is no reason to sign with the Knicks. So to me, this is a huge bet and a scary one, a risky one by the Knicks. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. And don't let the door hit you and your, your stupid brother in the ass. And speaking of Kyrie, where would he ultimately land? Is Boston his final destination in his career? Dale and Keith and Wiggy. Dale Arnold. Rich Keefe and Jermaine Wiggins were on WEEI discussing this very matter. Would Kyrie want to jump to the Lakers and join LeBron? Let's listen in. 
today, a bunch of media around, must have been shoot-around. They were talking to Kyrie about his future because there's so much speculation now. Right, but it's and also said, because of the poor Porzingis thing that opens that that's door. That's what I'm saying. So now it's, it's the Knicks or the Lakers, and he's saying, ask me July 1st. There's Whereas no the way. of the year, he said there's, he was staying. There's, there's, listen, listen. There he's is gone. no he's way. Gone. No, no, no. Kyrie is not playing with LeBron James again. No, listen. LeBron James, he is – He's so dominant as a player. Wherever you go, it's LeBron's team. And NBA players do not want, especially when you're at that level, you don't want to take a back seat. You want it to be your team. If and he, that's why I loved Kyrie, but why did Kyrie call and apologize to him? Well, he's, and I think and he, then they're he, flirting he, with each other yeah, on but Instagram. Kyrie's apology, was, Kyrie's apology was really for – and it was more him saying to the young guys, hey, listen – I was you, and I did this to LeBron. Yeah, he was calling out the young guys again. But but I don't have he a problem want to with stay that. With them. I don't have a problem with that. It, you know who's got the issue? The issue is Brad Stevens. He's got to oh. figure out a way. He's got to figure out a way. I agree it, with that. Danny, here, listen. Here's what you do. You make it simple. I know you can't do it till July, but you got to say to him, hey, we're going to get you Anthony Davis, Kyrie. That's what we're yeah, going to do. Yeah, that would help. That we're going to we're going to get you Anthony Davis. Do you think he resigns here, Kyrie Irving? If 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 they're able to get Anthony Davis here, because Kyrie, what if they can't get Anthony Davis? Then 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 Same, you're going to have gone. some issues. Dale, do you think he stays? You're no. going to have some issues. No, he's gone. I now think he's going to be in L.A. playing. There's with no LeBron. way he plays. Yeah, Lakers or the Knicks. There's he no way to, he, he can go to the Knicks. They've with, already kissed and made up. No, 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 no. They're he's not taking. Listen, he's not taking a back seat to LeBron. He's not doing it here. Whose team is this here? It's Kyrie's Celtics. right now. It's Kyrie's. But they're in if, fifth place. Well, no, no, I know that. But if he go, if he goes and plays with LeBron, it's LeBron's, it's LeBron's team. team. It's LeBron's team. At the end but of the game. But he's in L.A. He can make it, Uncle Drew, too. Yeah, but he Boogaloo. can do that anyway. He doesn't need to be. I, mean, I understand that. He, that I thought, the way the NBA changed. is so global. He's changed. He, uh, listen, he said it before. I'm not going to say anything to to, he said, to, ask me July 1st Yeah, today. but, he, but he, told, he told us before. He told us he's not going to make any decision until no, the summertime. No, no, yes, he, he said he's two, coming back. Yeah, well, but he, he did. Now, it now he's changed it to It was like a season tickers event. They weren't yeah. even expecting it. He's like, hey, I'll be back forever if you guys will have me. I want my jersey right, and Raptors. But, but now he's like, ah, I called LeBron and I apologize. But he's told so. the media that I, he's not really going to. Talk about it till July. He's that was that was, an a, that was a Celtics ticket event, uh, a season ticket holder event. Make everybody feel good. Well, hey, he didn't have to do that though. Well, it's going to be LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving with the Lakers. There's no way that's happening, that's what's man. Happening. They, not in the NBA. Guys don't want to do that. Guys do, do not want to. Guys don't want to do that. Durant wants to go play with Curry and Thompson. And, and whose team? Whose team is it right now? Golden State. It's Durant's team. You think Steph Curry's happy with I playing? Could be playing, playing second fiddle to Katie. I don't know. No. They've won back-to-back titles. Yeah, yeah, probably feels pretty good. They're about that, to win their third straight. Right, but that is Kevin Durant. Demarcus Cousins team. decided to go be the fifth guy on but, that team. But they, those guys don't mind taking that backseat role to so Kevin Durant. Kyrie may have Kyrie. gotten a taste of it and said, "You know what? I want to go back and be your Scotty." You guys will have me back. Yeah, he doesn't want to be that guy. I plan on resigning here next year. He don't want to be Scotty. That was what he said. Right, but he doesn't want to be. He'll have me back. But you know what? If you're going to apologize to Bond, we don't want you back anyway. he doesn't want to be number two. Kyrie wants to be number one. Even if Anthony Davis comes here, it's still Kyrie's team. He goes to L.A. Now, Adele, maybe New York. But I think he could go to New York. But maybe New maybe York. That's why he's saying it in New York. Maybe today. New York, but <laughs> but there's no way. Oh, the chance tonight are going to be obnoxious. There, there's no way that Kyrie ever plays with LeBron again. He, whoever plays with LeBron, it's LeBron's team. And when you're that level of status and you're that and you're you're that type of superstar, guys do not want to take the back seat to a guy.
Man, how quickly things change. It was just a couple of months ago where Kyrie was telling the crowd assembled in Boston that he wants to re-sign with the Celtics as long as they would have him. And he gets a big rousing ovation. And now we're not even to the All-Star break yet, and he's flirting with other teams. I don't know how you can trust Kyrie Irving at this point in time. Does Kyrie want to jump back, already making his peace with LeBron James after the way that things fell out just two seasons ago? In Cleveland, this whole thing seems so bizarre. Kyrie and LeBron, LeBron and Kyrie, and now Anthony Davis. It just seems sometimes like Kyrie can't stand not being newsworthy. You know what is newsworthy? Radio Row. The Super Bowl week of hype continues. Monday through Friday's edition is over, and now we wait till Super Bowl 53. We'll see you on Monday for full reaction to the Rams and the Patriots from Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. We'll see you then, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.